Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Survive and Thrive, a podcast that brings you stories and perspectives on how in changing times, leaders and organizations can not only transform to survive, but also thrive. I'm your host, Jennifer Ayers. I'm very excited to announce we are in our fourth season of our Survive and Thrive podcast. As a recap, last season, we focused on change management and helping our listeners understand how to positively influence the change they want to see in their organization and how to minimize disruption and even normalize the concept that change is usual. In this season, our fourth season, we hope to focus on some of the important aspects that are facing many organizations today regarding the subject of the future of work. How can organizations create a sense of belonging, navigate leadership in a hybrid workplace, proactively foster diversity, consider things like personalized employment, and really help employees connect to purpose in their work? We plan to do this by exploring central topics around creating healthy culture and how that can make the future of work even more impactful. We'll talk to various leaders and provide our own perspectives on what's happening out there, what are companies doing, how are we helping our people in general embrace work that they want to do, and like I say, unleash the magic in the organization. For today's episode, I'm pretty excited to have my guest, Jessica Radford, on with us. She is a talent acquisition leader with Slalom, and I'm going to have to let her share more of her background and experience in a moment. But let me just say that I've had a few conversations with Jessica, and I'm so interested in her insights and ideas about what does our future of work look like, and how can companies be successful, given all of what we've learned over the last couple of years, and all of the change that we can plan on happening in the future. So with that, Jessica, if you don't mind giving us a little information about yourself, and we'll take it from there. Thank you, Jennifer. So excited to be here. And this is a topic that is very much top of mind for me, as well as for the world. Just to give you a little background and insight into myself, I entered the way into talent acquisition actually trying to to get a job when I moved to Boston. I went to a recruiting firm and ended up working internally. And it was really a marriage of the things that I loved to do and the things that I felt that I excelled at. And I've just continued to build on that throughout my career. So I started at a smaller agency and then found an opportunity at Slalom, where at the time we were not yet in the Boston market. We had 10 other markets in the US. And What was really unique about this particular opportunity was one, building a a safe startup. So it was backed by nearly a half a billion dollars at the time, but I had the opportunity to be there from day one and work with our general manager and other leaders to build what our business would be. And fast forward 10 years, I'm still at Slalom and have recruited across every line of business that we have in mostly every single function. And it's been quite the the wild ride as we have grown not only internally, but as we continue to enhance our employee experience and uh, scale our talent acquisition operations. Wow, that's an awesome story. And why I'm so excited to talk with you today 
not only do you have firsthand experience and insights as someone that is actually participating in a growing organization and all of the considerations that is necessary to make that a success, but Slalom is a consulting company. And well, as consultants, we go out, we help other organizations with some of their problems and challenges. And so you have some firsthand experience navigating within the organization, but also have some sound bites of what your clients are probably experiencing as well. Yes, very well-rounded views. And no one seems to have the answer. So that is what makes the space and topic so interesting because it is at the root of a lot of conversations that people are having. Forums like this are super impactful in, in helping us all get to what answer makes sense for us in that organization at that time. That's great. Based on that broad experiences, what are some of the key themes or trends that you're seeing as it relates to how we're beginning to shift our mindset and experiences from a workplace perspective? The shift started when everyone was told two years ago that we couldn't go back into the office. And Slalom is a place that is is rooted in having local delivery and local connections. So we were all very, very used to the routine of going into the office. There was a ritual of every Friday, we would have almost our entire office in office and there would be a ton of collaboration and catch up and it was one of those days that you just knew you weren't going to get any work done because you were just catching up with people and it was super vibrant and you looked forward to to those interactions but when the pandemic happened you know the big concern was how can we still foster those connections and create those experiences when we are not able to have a forum of being in the same room at the same time. That I think is is really what gave us the motivation to think differently about what employee experience looks like in a hybrid or remote capacity. What did it look like? I think we're still working towards that. I believe in what I saw from clients and what I've experienced at Slalom is everyone tried to create the same things, but in a virtual environment. So we had Zoom happy hours and we are a company that likes to allow people to bring their whole selves to work. And part of that is, is bringing in families. And I remember Halloween, we had trick-or-treating in the office, which was a ton of fun. We've had different activities where kids can come in and just get to see where their parents work and what they do. And so we had a talent show that was virtual and tried to cater to all of the different groups that exist within Slalom. But at the end of the day, it is another meeting that you have to be online. And it's stressful, especially during that time. I think a lot of people were trying to juggle the kids at home or other things going on at home in addition to work and trying to be present at all times in all of those different areas. And so I think we've started to see that phase out going into our second half of of the year dealing with COVID. But that piece, I think, is still missing. So the Zoom happy hours went away. And I think there is an opportunity to bring something that's more of a hybrid. And we're still trying to answer that question. I hear you that I think it's really an interesting observation that the immediate response everybody had at the moment was, holy cow, how do we get over this? How do we get my technology working properly? 
But then the next thing was, how do we bring some normalcy to this? And we even did things at Consinity, like a virtual happy hour where we brought in Aaron Petrie, who does these really cool cocktail classes online. So there were a number of things. And I even participated in another company's virtual escape room session. So we were all trying to scramble and think of creative ideas and for ways that we could help each other remain connected in a very different world that we were in. I do think it's important to push the thinking on how do we not just create what we used to have, but how do we create something different? Maybe this is an opportunity to do something a little bit different that we hadn't thought of. Yeah. And what technologies exist today that we can use to help further that? To that point, have you seen anything or can you build upon that as a starting point? So I can speak to something that I heard about that Moderna is doing. And this is in relation to their their candidate experience when thinking about large-scale talent acquisition. So as, as we all know, Moderna had to scale their operations very quickly and needed to be able to interview like 100 people a day for roles across the company. But also it's a competitive market in the life sciences. And so how can you keep candidate experience top of mind and also recognizing the fact that you're not able to meet people in person and they're not able to come in and see the space. They created a virtual experience where candidates can have breakout rooms that feel a little bit more like you would if you were on site having an interview, but some sort of arena where you're able to to deliver an experience. It's personalized. You don't feel like you're one of a hundred, but also you're able to meet the demands of of what the business needs. So still catering to that large number of candidates while delivering a top-notch experience. So I think things like that could start to be introduced for some of the more social aspects or learning aspects of organizations. That's really interesting. And we've had some guests come on in the past, and I'll include those folks in the show notes that have continued to work in the organizations that they're in to foster a sense of belonging, which right now we know is one of the hot subjects time and time again. We keep hearing about and reading about that this is a time where people really need that sense of belonging. And it's one of the most important things that people need to experience in a working environment or any environment, frankly. Not surprising, but we as humans need to feel connected. One of the small things we did uh, was to actually invite people to share something they're grateful for on our meetings. And we've actually done things with client meetings where I had one example recently. I started the meeting by asking everybody to share what was their favorite toy when they were growing up. So before we even got the meeting started, just a quick round robin and people would share something of their past that's personal, but not in a way that it would leave somebody maybe feeling uncomfortable. So it really invoked a lot of interesting dialogue because people got a chance to learn about each other in a very different way. And that fosters different types of connection. From that conversation, a couple of people realized they had a common interest in woodworking and away they went in their conversation. So 
So small things can have an impact, but you have to be intentional in creating that sense of belonging now. So I would say just thinking through some ways that you can incorporate some small, different, new techniques and how you're managing day-to-day activities on your team can be helpful. Yeah, very much so. And just to, to double-click on that, there is a leadership development program that we have that's a lot of the the foundation is based on the things that Alcoholics Anonymous is driven out of. So just the cohesiveness of the group and the shared connection and drive, and then having smaller, more intimate groups. And this program was a game changer for my career just about six years ago. And one exercise that we did to kick it off was doing introductions with each other. And we had all worked together and you know each other on the surface, even if you've known each other for years, but taking it one step further and talking about your background, like going back a little bit further than just getting out of school. Like how did you land at that school or your parents' background? So incorporating some of those other things and maybe also just giving a little insight into to maybe why you are the way you are while having that introduction goes a long way. And then you start to see as the next person goes, they mirror your approach and then they might go a little further back. And then you'll think of something else you wanted to share, but that helps everyone take their guard down right out of the gates. So that's something that I do with any new team members coming in is take that approach and trying to be very transparent in who I am and making them comfortable to have the same type of interaction. That's really cool. Thanks for sharing that. By the way, I've often said as someone that has had personal experience with alcoholism in her family that that Al-Anon program has some interesting insights that might help everybody, frankly, and just gives you some different perspective about how to have compassion for others. So now that you've done this for a number of years, I would love to hear your observations about how things have changed. What are people looking for? What are some of your observations today? Yes. So there has definitely been a shift in the market. People are looking for opportunities, not necessarily careers or just jobs. So what are things that they can do to pursue their passions and do it in a way that caters to how they live or how they want to live or how they want to work. And when thinking about the ways in which we've been forced to work, that is is very much becoming the norm and expectation for a lot of people. They've gotten used to being able to go to work and their top half is is completely dressed in formal attire, but they're really wearing yoga pants or shorts on the bottom. And that is is something that people are are embracing and are seeking in their next opportunities. They also maybe don't want to be boxed into playing just one role. They want to be able to pursue a number of different things and interests in addition to what their experience is and be at a place that embraces that and celebrates it, which I think that there are a lot of companies trying to innovate in the way that they are presenting career opportunities and growth opportunities for people. But that is is a huge shift. And it also takes a ton of change management and developing what that looks like because it does change the way in which people are thinking about careers. Well, that's really interesting. 
One of the observations that I'm seeing more of and hearing from some of the HR leaders I've been talking to is that the conversation of purpose comes up more frequently in conversations now, especially in the interviewing and recruiting process than you might have heard in the past. Would love to hear your thoughts on this. Yes, it would be a disservice not to introduce that in your conversation. And it doesn't have to be outright of this is my purpose or what is your purpose. It's more making sure that that the vision and the values that are most important to you align to those of of the company that you're working at and the people that you would be working with directly. So I think purpose, vision, mission, values all sort of fits together. But yeah, what gets you excited to go to work every day? If you don't have that out of the gates, then you're not you're not really setting yourself up to be successful or, or happy. Interesting. How about with some of the clients that Slalom has? What are some of the themes that maybe they're trying to support in terms of navigating this new world? I think that there is a, a ton of dialogue in the consulting space in general about the future of work and making recommendations and trying to predict what the workforce will need to look like in the next three years, five years, 10 years to cater to the types of technology advancements or innovation that we predict could be coming. So what types of skills do your workers need? And you know, what kind of evolution do you need to make? And when you're looking at at talent pools and skills matrix, there are going to be just new layers to that. And also having some flexibility in what used to be very simple and trying to align people to roles in the past isn't going to work moving forward. And so how can you cater to that and also not only grow the talent, but adjust your expectations to meet what that talent marketplace is going to look like. I mean, I I sort of laugh when I hear you say, what does 10 years look like from now? Because I'm thinking, what does 10 months look like from now? Exactly. And it's really hard to, to think about longer term because of the amount of change that we're experiencing in such a short time. But one thing we do know is that even in interview tactics, we want to be focusing on how people are adjusting to these real-time and real-life situations. Those are the the responses and types of dialogue we want to be having, not what worked in the past, because that's not the only thing that's relevant anymore. It's how are you continuing to be agile in the way that you think and the way that you look to solve problems, because that is the world in which we're living in. And it doesn't look like there's really an end insight to that. Yeah, truly. I talk a lot about this notion of personalized employment and what that looks like in the future. I have a great connection to the CEO and founder of Luna, which is a technology platform that enables organizations to create a personalized working experience for individuals, both from an enterprise perspective, meaning if you want to incorporate a common platform across your organization to provide people the option to not only select working norms, but they also can opt in for various benefits, etc. But there's a more surgical application for this technology as well for leaders to be able to manage their teams in a way that provides that leader over 
some visibility around individuals' interests, what they like to work on, what are some of the best times that are optimal for them to work, maybe because they have personal needs they need to attend to. So it's it's a technology that creates a more streamlined source for leaders to be able to understand an individual that they're managing and their needs. I'm curious to know if you have any um, thoughts about personalized employment experience, given the conversations that you've been having. Yeah, that sounds super interesting, um, what Luna is doing. I think that would be challenging to adopt, as you described, for professional services, because we are catering to to our clients. And sometimes that doesn't allow flexibility in, in work hours and have to to think of the impact of that. But also you want to make sure that you are being an advocate for your people. So I think that there's a delicate balance. I do think that Slum is an organization that really does value its people. And so we've invested in people engagement. We've made significant investments in the last few years as it relates to, to benefits and total rewards in enhancing internal policies to the wellness benefits, pushing health, and how can we continue to to help our people think about themselves in addition to the work that they're doing and the impact that they're making and letting them know it's okay to prioritize yourself over these other things. So things like knee days, like forcing everyone to take a day off and unplug. And that's that's necessary. We've seen a lot of other companies do that. I know that Coinbase has a mandatory week off once a quarter. And I think we can all get into the zone and we can form to the way that we've been taught. This is how you work. You work from, I wish I could say nine to five, but we know that that's not true. You know, whatever time in the morning with a few breaks throughout the day, but sometimes you'll be working till 10 o'clock at night and that's okay until you decide that that's no longer the way you want to work. So how are companies handling the evolution of each individual and what options are available. And so I think hybrid work is going to be something that's a way of the future. So it may not be specific hours of working, but if there were an option to work four days a week versus five and you have longer hours, I think that that would be easier to manage because you're still having that set schedule. But I do think that there would be a challenge in professional services. I think any company who's introducing personalized experiences for their employees is going to be leading the way in that. Very cool. Are there notions or concepts or ideas or themes that are of particular interest to you or observations that are of particular interest of you that we have not covered? Yeah. What have you seen in terms of of technology advancements that could be like a game changer in this space? So I talked about, you know, Moderna using the the virtual reality experience for interviewing, but would also be curious to hear what types of things your clients are are doing or seeking to do. Ooh, that's a good question. There's almost a race out there to bring new technologies to support the hybrid workforce, not just the HR tools, like I mentioned in the case of Luna, but even applying some of the learnings from a product development perspective that could be applied in the way companies work in general. So I think we're going to continue to see a number of technology companies 
popping up to try to support the needs of the workforce of the future, or they may pivot? Yes, disparate data sources is no longer tolerable. Like we need to have a central and one source of truth when it comes to to data. And I mean, that's something that we we dealt with in building out our people analytics capability is trying to pull all of these you know, super insightful pieces of data into one central place where we can make insights and give visibility and have consistency. That is an area that that a lot of our clients are also tackling and making it easier. It's not as as easy as stepping into someone's office and asking them something. Like just the the route to get to the end of some of these these problems is is no longer as easy as walking into to someone's office or picking up the phone. It takes a lot longer, especially if you're joining an organization remotely and don't have those connections historically. You don't know where to go. Two specific examples that I can think of to share that come to top of mind is one company that we've actually interviewed in the past called Voiceify is a company that is enabling organizations to have more of a brand presence via voice. So if you think about how you engage with Alexa today, you can give her a question and typically get some general information about weather or news. But what they're doing is enabling brands to have a different kind of relationship with their clients. So for example, if you wanted to ask Alexa, she's probably going to talk to me in the background here. Let's say you want to ask her hey, what is my American Express balance? And what were my last three transactions? And oh, by the way, when is the next train via Amtrak to New York? Then you can actually have a voice experience where you don't need to necessarily open your phone or your computer and search for it online. So they're creating a way for brands to interact with their customers in a different way. And what's interesting is we know as a result of the pandemic that there is a lot more consumption of content via audio. And there's been a significant proliferation of use and reliance on smart devices. So that was already something that was trending up. And I think the pandemic has accelerated that trend. And I think it's interesting in the application of Voiceify because you could also use that type of a technology inside your organization to help employees get information, say, about the company or benefits, etc., without having to go to a website. It also can be a first line of defense for customer service inquiries. Calls that might normally come into your organization might be diverted to this voice experience, at least for very small requests, perhaps, like, where is my package? And another technology that I think might be interesting to highlight is we had a guest on here earlier, Jenny Rowe, and she has a company called The Curious Reactor. And what she has been trying to do is answer the question, what does networking look like in the future, especially given our virtual experience or our hybrid experience? And so she employs various technologies to create insights on for individuals based on algorithms, etc., that can then illuminate for you where you would likely have the best opportunity to engage with somebody and use that time, that connection to help your mutual interests. So those are two technologies that 
come top of mind. I'm sure that our listeners are probably thinking of several as we're sitting here talking about this. Yeah. And on the the subject of networking, that is that is one that's been just as much impacted by this shift in in needing to be virtual as well. So a very good friend of mine, Melissa All, started an app and really it's it's based around how do you build connections inside and outside of your organization that that works for you and around the the theme of networking, but trying to address some of the pain points that people experience in networking before and what that needs to look like now. And it is so very interesting because it was easy to to go to events. And if you're someone who's an an extrovert, you could easily talk to people and and that was really your arena. But now we have the opportunity to cater to different styles that we maybe didn't in the past. So how do you create a safe space for everyone to network that's equally as beneficial, uh, which I think directly impacts, it goes back to the talent piece and and how you're developing relationships and growing people over time. But I think that that will be an interesting space to keep an eye on and what networking looks like in the next year or two will be completely different than what it was two years ago. Yeah, great. I totally feel like we could have so many more hours talking about various subjects in this space. Well, I'm so grateful that you took the time and it's really wonderful to hear some of your thoughts. Anything in closing that you want to share with our audience? And if not, maybe at least a way to find you so that people who are interested in the subject and want to connect can reach out to you. Yes, Jen, thank you so much for having me on. And I would love to to join future conversations. I would say one thing that I think has been a differentiator for the hiring folks is being comfortable pushing leadership and stakeholders and ways of working or things that we've done in the past. So candidates who on paper looked great might not be the only candidates that you should be considering. So what are the skills that these people need to have or the types of experiences that could relate to what you're looking for? And it might not look exactly like you think, but they have enough of the bones and the foundation that it's worth a shot. And so I think that that is going to be something that we're going to see a lot more of is people who are are taking roles at companies who don't have a profile that has been typical per se. And so I would just encourage people to to be comfortable challenging and having conversations with, with those who you might not have because there is a war for talent. And we're all going to need to adjust our expectations. It doesn't mean you need to lower the bar, but we just need to have that agility in thinking about what our profiles look like. Well said. Thank you, everyone, for joining this week's episode of Survive and Thrive Podcast. Remember, at Consinity, we empower the conscious leader to realize positive and sustainable change. Until next time, don't just survive, thrive.